This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Wallace dips inside and hits. Stephen Fletcher back towards Adam Rich. You're listening to the Wednesday Till I Die podcast. Hello and welcome. Uh, we've got another interview lined up for you all today. Uh, before I introduce him, um, I'm just joined by Liam and Giles. Uh, how are you, Liam? You all right, mate? Yeah, very good, mate. How are you? Yeah, I'm fine. Thank you very much. Uh, what about you, Giles? All good? Yeah, all well, good, thanks. Good stuff. Uh, now, today's guest, uh, former Republic of Ireland international, who played alongside Ronaldinho, nonetheless. Uh, I say alongside, against, should I say. Uh, list of clubs played uh, for Reeds Home Farm, Middlesbrough, Darlington, Stoke, Cardiff, Wigan, Sunderland, Sheffield Wednesday, and Carlisle. And he's with us today to talk about his career and share some of the stories. It's Graham Cavanaugh, everyone. How are you, Graham? You all right? Very good, fellas, yeah. Um yeah, all good, pal. Thanks, thanks for the God. No yeah, problems. Good stuff. Now, I always people that listen to all these interviews, uh, I always like to start from the from the beginning. So, obviously, you're you're born in Dublin. And you started career at Home Farm. You know, not not the farm from Emmerdale. Obviously, Home, home Farm Football Club in uh, in Dublin. I've been looking. Um, a fair few decent players have uh, have come from that club. Obviously, yourself in, included in that. You know, Mark Kinsella, Stephen McPhail, obviously played for Wednesday as well. Gary Kelly, Stephen Ward. And uh, Nicky Byrne, that's a, uh, a strange one. Obviously, one of the members of Westlife uh, yeah. as well. I mean, how, how did it all start? I mean, obviously, I'm guessing from a... Did you sign to home far, for a home farm from a very young age? Yeah, so basically what happened was I, I was um, I was a kid, obviously, like everybody else. It was, it was desperate to be a footballer. And Home Farm uh, was a team that was on the other side of the city for me. But it was a team that had produced players down throughout the years um, the most famous for me at that year and that time was probably Ronnie Reardon who, who left in 1979 and, and, and went went to Liverpool and um, so obviously I followed Ronnie's career um, and then I knew if, if I was going to be scouted if you like uh, the home frame was, 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 was probably the, the team that I needed to go to so the team I went into, uh, every single player actually went to England. Now, not all of them made it, but the two players who made it was myself and, and Gary Kelly. But we we had a very, very successful team. I mean, we were we were unbeaten for, I think it was about 11 years. It was it was a long, long time anyway. Um, still, a record, still a record now in Ireland. But, um, I thought you were going to say a few games, like 30, 40 games. <laughs> 11 yeah, years. Uh, 11 yeah. years. Yeah, I mean, we were we were we were beaten in in, um, in European competitions. We we got beaten in the we won the Mill Cup on the fourteenth in Northern Ireland. And on the sixteenth, we went and uh, we had left a few lads had left. Uh, the goalkeeper left Eddie Van Boxdale. He went to Leeds. Uh, Gary Sloney went to Man City. Carl Wilson went to Coventry. Mark Kenny had gone to Liverpool. Um, so there was quite a few that were that were leaving. Anyway, myself and Gary Kelly were were the two that were, were left and we ended up getting to the semi-finals uh, against Tottenham we got beaten on penalties and the two people who missed penalties me and Gary Kelly but, um, 
So uh, there was a guy called Ron Bone. He's still alive now. Ron, it was his birthday last week. He's 80 years of age. Great man. Um, he's had a huge part to play in my life and, and in my son's life. He, he was the one who scouted me, brought me to... He actually came into the dressing room after the game, after the, the Coventry game, or sorry, the, the, um, the sports game, and, and was asking, where's Graham Cavanagh? And all the lads were pretending to be me because they all wanted to go to England. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> so I was on the names in the hat. It's me, it's me. You can take me across everything. But yeah, that was it. That was that was the start of it. Really, I came over to Middlesbrough, went, uh, had a trial, done really well, um, and then funny enough, I came back. Middlesbrough wanted to sign me, and it was like a snowball effect after that. Um, every club seemed to then want to actually sign me. I played for Ireland against Northern Ireland. So we won one 0 I went around the goalkeeper to score, and um, then said a half. He's wiped me out and done my ankle. Anyway, I basically couldn't play, couldn't couldn't train. I was out for about three months but Middlesbrough said look we will we will sign you I'm a, I'm a massive Liverpool fan and the day I was actually about to travel to uh, to Middlesbrough I was leaving on a Wednesday and I get a phone call on the Monday to say uh, Leeds had made an offer and I, I had I was supposed to go on trial to Leeds um, but because I hadn't been at all I'll stay with Middlesbrough but then Liverpool came in and Liverpool doubled doubled everything that I was, I was getting in terms of contracts and that was very sort of, it was it, it was quite gut-wrenching in the sense that I was thinking, right, Liverpool, my club, they just won the league, 1990, with a, with a lad called Mark Kenny had left us and gone there. And I, I felt at the time Mark was probably a better player than I was. Um, so I thought, well, will I get into the team? Obviously, they have all a team full of internationals. And I just didn't get the feeling that I was going to get, I was going to have a pathway there. So to be honest, I made the decision going to Middlesbrough and, and the rest is history, as they say. But I, I think Middlesbrough for me at the time was probably the right move because um, I went over and, you know, I knew that there was a pathway, if you like. I knew that it had previously been a club that gave the youth the chance. Unfortunately for me, yeah, I made my debut. Funny enough, my home debut was against Sheffield Wednesday. We played away on the on the Wednesday against Forest and then made my home debut on the Saturday against uh, Sheffield Wednesday. So Sheffield Wednesday played a big part in a lot of areas in my life, really, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, obviously, was it a big decision at the time? Then, obviously, you're 18. Were you still living with your parents at that point uh, when you before you came over to Middlesbrough? Yeah, no, I was I was actually 16 when I came over. So oh, 16, I, I moved sorry. Over 16, yeah. Um, and obviously, back in the day, there was no there was no mobile phones, there was no internet and stuff. So it was difficult to different different country, obviously, um, different accent. Um, and I had to adapt very quickly. I had to grow up very quickly. Got myself into a bit of trouble and different bits and pieces and nights out and stuff, and I had to learn to, to grow up pretty quick. Because um, at one stage with, with Brian Robson, he was manager, he, he, he came, this was a few years later. It's actually a funny story, to be honest with you. What happened was um, we had a night out with all the lads, and Steve Collins had fought Chris Eubank in the boxing. So we all went into the, in the middle of the town centre and, and we were watching the, watching the fight. And um, of course, all the lads are looking over, there's obviously footballers in the bar and different bits and pieces. And it ends up kicking off, and uh, I end up having this have a fight with this lad, and, and he ended up running from where the fight was and ran to the there was a police uh, van on the corner, and he ran over and, and wanted to get me arrested. I actually ran ran into a nightclub to try and get away, um, and anyway, I was trying to get my tenor out to get into the nightclub, and the devils would stop me, wouldn't let me go in <laughs> until I paid the money, and uh, and he get arrested. So I didn't have to go into the club on Monday. We were playing Aston Villa on the Tuesday night. And um, anyway, I'm driving into, into work. This is how thick, not thick, but this is how naive I was, right, at the time. I drove in, I was driving into, into training on, um, on the Monday morning and it said, uh, the headline said, 
on one of the the boards, the poster boards for the Nails River. Even Gazette said, uh, Burr Star arrested. And I actually thought, lovely, somebody else has been arrested. <laughs> It'll take the heat <laughs> off me. <laughs> not actually realising that was me. Uh, <laughs> of course, when I got into the club then, I had to go and see Brian Robson. And, and um, yeah, he, he he lost he lost the plot a little bit with me. And at the end of the season, we ended up having a meeting, the whole, the whole club. And he basically said that he was under pressure. And anybody who got arrested again for any reason, didn't matter about the circumstance where we're going to be um, instantly sacked on the spot. So it, it was one of them moments where in your career where you think, I've been very, very fortunate, but I need to, I need to cop on, I need to, to wake up and start uh, start telling the line, really. So yeah, so Middlesbrough was a club that I, I learned about being a professional, um, learning, you know, obviously the different skill sets you need and, and the mindset. But then when I left, I'd only played 50 games for Middlesbrough and I wasn't, I was never really a regular. And I knew I needed to go and play first in football. So, Moving to, to Stoke was a no-brainer for me and, and it was uh, I suppose Stoke was where I learned actually to be able to be um a player who could play Saturday Tuesday, Saturday Tuesday and, and, and understood what it took mentally and, and physically and, and I was able to adapt to that. But yeah, Middlesbrough was a, was a great six years for me and a great learning course. How did that move come back then to, to Stoke? So you said you obviously were in, in and out the side. Is that, is that something that you kind of orchestrated yourself or, or did they just come in for you? No, what happened was... Um, <clears throat> I made my debut in the Premier League season and I played, I don't know, maybe 12 games in the Premier League that season. We ended up getting relegated. Um, and Lenny Lawrence left, Brian Upson came in. Uh, I played a few games, sorry, he didn't, he didn't leave till the following summer. So I played a few more games in the Championship that season. And then Brian Upson came in and when 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 Robo came in, he was coming in as player manager, he was going to play centre midfield. Um, he signed, I think he signed six players, so Nigel Pearson from, from Sheffield, who was the captain, signed uh, brought Viv with him, who had obviously previously been at Sheffield. Brought in playing Blackmore, Neil Cox, um, Mikael Beck. So we, we were starting to spend money and you could see there was a different mindset around the club. There was an awful lot of um, competition all over the place. My game time, I felt, was getting less. Although I did play games, I played in the promotion season. You know, I played 18 games, 15 games, 18 games somewhere. Um, so I was a bit part player. And the following season, played a few games again in the Premier League when we got promoted. But the, the club was really starting to change. We were looking at the race of Janino. We brought in Emerson, brought in Branco, uh, brought in Ravinelli. Um, obviously, the wages were getting better in the Premier League, but we were we were definitely adapting in terms of competing with all the big boys for the for the names that clubs would Middlesbrough would never have expected them to have ever been able to afford or even realise a dream of having to try and sign these players. But that was happening because of Robo. So I just knew my game time was, was, was going to be even less and I just wanted to progress my career. And Lil McCarry came in for me, uh, asked me to go on loan. I think probably his relationship with Robbo helped to start with. But again, um, I, I, uh, I, I signed for, for, for Stoke on loan and done well. I think I scored two and five or something like that or three and seven or whatever it was. I can't remember. Anyway, they, um, they signed me. And I signed a two and a half or three a deal it was wherever it was at the time. And um everything was going great, really enjoyed it. Um different style of play. Lil was, I mean, the running we used to do with Lil McCarty was ridiculous. We used to we used to travel on a Friday. So lads get in the morning at like quarter to ten, half nine, quarter to ten. We'd be on the bus for ten o'clock waiting to travel. Lil used to like to put all his bets on. So depending on how quickly it took him to put his bets on, would depend on how long we had to wait on the bus. <laughs> Sometimes you wouldn't leave till like till half twelve. So you sitting there for two and a half hours. 
Um, all the lads getting pissed off, but couldn't couldn't say anything because obviously the gaffer. So then he got on the bus. We travel. I, I always remember this. We had the play Charlton away one uh, one Saturday, and uh, Friday we're on the bus. We we get stuck in traffic, and we're staying in the hotel uh, somewhere in London. I had a golf golf course. He, he said to everyone, everyone off the bus, up to the rooms, uh, get changed. When we got there, actually, there was a jockey there as well. Jockey had been banned for over whipping the horse. He got two week ban, right? So he used to give me inside info to, to Liam about what horses were running, who he fancied and all of that. So uh, he says, anybody a size, uh, size six and a half? And it turns out I, I used to wear six and a half boots. And um, I says, yeah, I am. So he gets a size six and a half boots on, puts this wet bag on him uh, to sweat. And um, and we proceeded to run 18 holes of the golf course. And that was our training for the, for the, for the game on the Saturday. The worst thing was all the lads were pissed off, right? And the lads were fuming, saying that's all he does. That's all he does is run us, and he doesn't care about the group. He doesn't care about you know our, our well-being. And we won't have any legs for tomorrow's game. Well, the group of lads he ended up having, we ended up going out and winning the, 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 the following day two 0 And I think it was probably more in spite of him than for him. But that was the type of environment Louis used to create, you know. And it was a it was a, it was a real learning experience for me at the start. But my game did diminish um, after after its time from. He was, I mean, we, were, we just ran and ran and ran and ran and ran. Didn't really see the ball a great deal. And, um, Did you have a fit team then, I'm gathering? Yeah, I mean, aesthetically looking at them, you, you wouldn't have looked and gone, geez, a really, really fit bunch of lads. But the lads were incredibly fit and they were always, they were always, very rarely because of injuries. Um, but I remember, I remember he said to me one weekend, he says, what are you doing on the weekend? And, and again, I didn't realise, Leo didn't think, right? So um, he said, I said, I'm going to go back to Middlesbrough. Oh, brilliant. He said, well, enjoy yourself anyway and um, have a good weekend. I said, right, fine. So come back in the Monday. I'm with all the lads and he says, um, so have a good, good weekend in Middlesbrough. He said, yeah, a few beers can I have. I thought, the lads are looking and shaking their head and saying, don't. and I'm thinking, it's a bit of an odd question. So I thought, well, I'll just say, yeah, I had a few points, Gaffer. I said, I had about six points. So that was a lie. I probably had about 10. <laughs> and uh, he went, you had six, four points of lager. I was like, is he taking the piss here or what? <laughs> and then, and he, and he, he, you had six foot. Do you, do you realize what six lag will do, do to your body? And that I'm thinking, are we having a wind up here? Well, I'm Irish. <laughs> he obviously knows I have. Well, honest to God, from then on, he literally, he, there was this lad called Justin Whittle who just come out of uh, the army. And Justin was just grateful to, to be a professional footballer, to be honest. So if he told, if he told Justin to run to Birmingham back, he would have done it. So basically, he, he got me, and all you had to do all the running with Justin. No matter where we were, whatever it was, it was always me and Justin. And I think it was Leo's way of trying to control me and, and, and sort of maybe teach me a lesson. But it sort of did. It did. It played on my mind for a little bit, and I, and I don't think it performed particularly well, maybe for about two months. Um, even got to the stage where they would name the team. And I was, when they come to me, I was number 11. When they read the team sheet out, and number 11, Graham Cabinet, the, the, the home fans started to build. And I'm thinking, fucking hell, like, I'm um, I'm 22 years of age. Um, sink or swim time now. It's like literally, what you're gonna do? So, I um, yeah, I, I, there was a few hard lessons I had to learn myself and and become had to toughen up mentally, and did and um and and turned around the Stoke and obviously ended up having a, having a great time there. But yeah, it was um, it was a real learning curve and it was something that I didn't enjoy going through. But coming out the other side of it, I don't think ever I don't think fans ever really impacted me again in the game. To be honest. I mean, I'm just looking at uh, some of the other managers that that were there at Stoke. One that one that sticks out, Chris Kamara. I didn't even know that he managed Stoke. Well, uh, obviously, for a 
for a brief time. Obviously, didn't didn't have a very good time, did he? Only only one win. But what what were Chris Kamara like? Um, well, Cammy Cammy sort of saw me when he was at Bradford, and Cammy was a great fella, lovely, lovely fella. Um, the problem Cammy had when he came, see, when we were at Stoke, we, we moved from the Victoria Grounds to the Britannia Stadium, so all the money was in the stadium, and we weren't we weren't really investing in the team anymore. And that was a period for about four or five years where the club couldn't really compete in terms of transfers, even though we, we had good attendance of 16, 18, 20,000, whatever it would be. Um, but Cammy came in as manager, very bubbly, very bright, uh, wanted to train every day with the lads, wanted to make everybody. And then what's, what's happened if he, if he got on the end of things and scored goals and we'd run around celebrating and I'm thinking, fucking hell, surely there's a bit more to management than just going, getting a, getting a, a, and getting a goal on a Friday afternoon, do you know what I mean? Um, but in fairness, he, he, was very, he, was, he was very unlucky. He, uh, I mean, we, I think we, I don't even know if he actually did win, win one game with him. I think we, uh, we drew something like 15 on the bounce and we couldn't, we just couldn't get a win. Um, and I think he was at the end of his tether as well. I mean, every week we were, we had new trialists in and then the trialists would play. It was back in the day when you had to play a trialist. So there was no real cohesion or no real sort of fluidity, if you like, with, with the group and with the squad. And the outcome was that, that Kami left. And to be honest, we, we ended up having quite a few. I think we had five managers that season. It was it was a joke, absolute joke. But um, yeah, so again, that was the, we ended up getting Gary Megson. Yeah, who, obviously, uh, you know, big big Sheffield Wednesday fans' favourite. Obviously, yeah. played for his and managed as well. Yeah, so um, yeah, so we, we got Gary Megson. Gary Gary was very similar to uh, to Lou in that he um, he basically ran the balls out as well. Yeah, and, you, um, you you know that all all too well, don't you, Giles? Yeah, he, he loved the running session. Oh my gosh. Yeah, Long we, distance he, as well, by the way. It wasn't none of these short doggies. It'd be like no. an hour run in the woods. Yeah. yeah. We we used to do this thing with him um, where he, and he was a midfield player, George, he's probably done the same with you, but he, um, he'd do a session and the ball would go into the fullback and I'd peel off my midfield player to go and get it. And he didn't want me to take a touch. He just wanted me to turn the back four. So we used to do sessions on literally turning the back four and that was it. And then once we turned the back four, we had to go up and uh, get up against the second ball. So you were basically running 60 yards. You were kicking at 80 yards and you were running 60 yards for the second ball. It was just, it was relentless. And if you didn't play the way he wanted you to play, you, did, you just didn't play. You couldn't have an argument with him or fall out with him. Um, because he didn't, exactly what he, happened to me. You were on the end of that one, weren't you, Giles? I was the end of that one, exactly. <laughs> he, uh, he was, uh, I found, I, listen, I think he thought he was going to be able to get the best down me and, and the way he tried to go about it. He actually said one day, I actually thought I was playing quite well in fairness. And then, um, uh, Fulham had made a bid for me and Newcastle, uh, Newcastle had made a bid and uh, he had a team meeting one day just before the game he says uh, and there's a player in this dressing room everyone knew who he was talking about he said um, if he gets his finger out and manages to start playing well again he might get a move to Fulham and I'm sitting there thinking fucking hell we're just about to go out and have a game of football and I obviously want to play well like surely you're actually trying to be giving me confidence and not taking away from me you know what I mean but that was that that was that was, uh, that was maybe enemy, but but to be fair, then the back end we created when it was actually actually every Wednesday we played Leicester, um, and he I, I went over to the side. I don't know if it was an injury or a, a break in play, wherever it was. And he actually said to me, "Look, I'll give you a call tomorrow. I want you to come and sign for me at Leicester." You know, he, ne- he never rang me as it happened, but uh, he, <laughs> he, he, he must he must have told us up of me anyway. You know what I mean? Yeah, he liked to he liked to was it what, what was it half time brandies were it uh, before the game? He, he, liked oh, to... he loved the brandy him. Was it, was it like I'll, tell you, I'll tell you a funny one what he'd done as well we played Chester uh, one pre-season 
And I swear to God, it must have been 30 degrees. It was absolutely boiling. So um, he used to love that one. I don't know if you, if you ever used to that one. He stand up and he puts his hand on his knee, he starts rubbing his, rubbing his knees. Did you ever do that one? And once he started doing that, you knew he was going to flip his shit. Like he was going to, he was going to lose the plot. Like, yeah. Obviously, he red anyway, so he used to get even redder. So um, anyway, he has a go at halftime. We're drawing nil-nil. Both teams are just exhausted in the heat. It's pre-season. We've had a really tough pre-season as well. I think it was our first game. So he's going, um, he stood at the door and there was all tiles on the floor. And he says, uh, right, get gear off, you're coming off. I was like, there was about six of us had rubbers on, right? And he's gone, what the fuck are they in your feet? Get them off you. I said, what do you mean, Gavin? It was like, it was like being on a concrete road, right? <laughs> he says, if you don't wear studs, you're not playing for me. I'm literally like, so I had to take me, I was 25 years of age, married with a baby, yeah? <laughs> Had to take, I'm not like that, sitting in the corner, taking my boots off, putting my studs on, went out next half, blisters everywhere. He didn't give a shit. <laughs> Honest to God. And that was how we wanted you to be. He was uh, bonkers, I swear. Yeah, he was bonkers. Yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously, yeah, after that as well, I suppose that the back end of your, your Stoke career, obviously, you got new owners in the Icelandic owners, manager changed, um, you know, load of Icelandic players, Gunnarsson, Gislarsson, Good Johnson, Good Logson, <laughs> Danielson. All the sons yeah. <laughs> brought them all in. Um, was that was that a, a big a big change at the club at the time? Uh, well, it was actually in fairness to the Icelandics, it was actually start. It was the start of a revival, if you like, in the club and a belief within the fans and I suppose the players. We we got a, a manager in called um, uh, what was his name? Good John Porison. Porison. Yeah. And he was the Icelandic manager. Um, loved himself in, in a way that now what, what I mean what I mean by that is not, not in a bad way, but loved himself in the sense that because he was an international manager, he felt he had this unbelievable confidence about himself. Um felt he was like an elite level coach. His, his coaching sessions were were bonkers, like mad stuff. No, no, no corner flags, no, no lines in the pitch, play wherever you want, which made the area huge, right? Just like mad stuff. But it was all, I think the thinking from, from his point of view behind it was who's prepared to do the running for me, who's prepared to do the hard graft, who's prepared to, to listen to every single thing I say. And in fairness, um, he got success. He obviously brought a lot of, of the Icelandics in, he brought his son in, who wasn't a bad player. Um, they definitely got favouritism over, over the rest of us. And I think that sort of had a little bit of a divide in the dressing room. But we all got on with it. We, we were, you know, we got to the playoffs, we missed out. It was just a period of time where a few clubs had been in, uh, in for me. I'd, I'd spent five years at the club. I'd seen the change. I'd seen all the different managers come and go. Um, I was getting in team of the year every year. And I felt, to be honest with you, at the time I felt I, I wanted to play. I, I, I had already made my debut for Ireland. Um, and I wanted to try and play again and get back into this international fold. I probably, stupidly, I, I got asked the question. I probably, probably came out and told the press how I was feeling about it. And then... Um, literally played the playoffs against Walsall got beaten I, uh, I get a phone call will I meet card if they'd literally just been promoted and for me to go to a team that was in the same league as, as Stoke wasn't seen as a move forward but I knew the the, the thoughts and the the ambition if you like that Sam Haman had um, along with Alan Cork who was the manager at the time they were going to pay a club record million pound for me which they did and they wanted me to make me captain they wanted to the team around me and stuff, and it was a, it was a, it was a project that I wanted to take on board. I wanted to do, I wanted to do, and the money was good. And 
from from that day on, Stoke have always just thought I've been a right greedy bastard, which <laughs> which which to be honest isn't the case. But it's um, well, it, it doesn't was, it doesn't sound like you know if you weren't in favour somewhere else and then somewhere's offering you to go and lead the team and be the captain and whatever else. Well, Stoke, Stoke actually played the game very well because what they done was um, a bit of a long, bit of a long story. But I, I, I basically had a loyalty payment in my contract that was due on the last day of my contract um, if I stayed for a period of time. So they offered me a new contract and they didn't increase the wages on it, and they wanted to take out the the uh, the clause. And I knew that the lads coming into the club were on more money than where I was on. And I, I know I played all the games. I played sixty games on average every season. Um, and uh, and I felt like I, I was the best player. I was certainly one of the best players, and I wasn't getting rewarded in that in that respect. Um, and here I was now with a team coming in offering me three times the amount of money in the same league with a lot more ambition in terms of who do you want to sign, who do you want to um, try and buy, and, and how do you want to build the club. As it happened that season, we ended up playing Stoke in the playoffs. We got, we, we actually beat them away, and we got beaten at home, and got knocked out. Um, so Stoke went on and got promoted. Which obviously, as you can imagine, the stick I took down at that stage, they were all entirely delighted, which was fine. That was that was their problem to be. But uh, yeah, Cardiff was just obviously that that season personally for me was great because I I'd had a I got played the year and top goal scorer and whatever else. But um, in terms of getting promoted and, and setting out to achieve what we what we were trying to do, uh, it didn't quite work. But it, it did the following season, and Cardiff was a, was a brilliant brilliant time for me. I mean, you already alluded to the fact that you'd already made your debut for for Republic of Ireland. Obviously, you got the call up to the squad. It was obviously guessing a, a total dream come true to play for your country. Oh, incredible! Yeah, absolutely incredible. I mean, I used to I used to live um, about a mile away from from Lansdowne Road, so we used to break in as kids and, and get onto the pitch. Um, you know, you, you, back then you would never have you would never have dreamed of the pitch how bad it was. I mean, because it was rugby pitch. So they used to play rugby on it um, every Saturday, and then the internationals were on it, and it was an absolute—the pitch was was a disgrace, to be honest with you. Um, but in some ways, that played into the hands of of us as a team, especially against the the bigger nations. I mean, I know earlier you mentioned about the, the Brazil game, but the night we played Brazil, it was um, it was February two thousand four. They they just won the World Cup, and they they came to Dublin, and I mean, it was the who's who of of Brazil. Yeah. You know, it was Catville, Roberto Carlos, uh, Rivaldo, Ronaldo, uh, Ronaldinho, Gilberto, Janino. Um, like, honestly, what an incredible team. And a funny story actually about that night. It was, it was actually, basically what happened was I, I played against Canada the game before and a lad called Mark Bertram, we played him in the summer uh, in the playoffs against QPR and we beat him. So, I seen, and I, I was never one in the tunnel before the game. I was never one to be friendly with anyone. If I'm playing against you, I don't like you for that 90 minutes. I don't want to talk to you. I don't want to be your mate. I don't want to. So I wasn't, I just wasn't very friendly, I suppose. He tells the story that he looked at me and went to say hello, and I blanked him. So he took in his head that he was going to deal me, which in turn he did deal me. And um, I passed the ball to the outside of my right foot. He's come on the inside, and he's, he's ended up breaking my ankle. And said, he, he broke the bone in my ankle and, and, and tore the ligaments. So, that was that was within six minutes of the game, uh, playing against Canada. So I went off, went to the hospital, had an operation, whatever else. And I get a phone call from Brian Kerr and said, "Listen, the next game you were available for, uh, you'll start." Well, turned out the next game I was available for was Brazil. So I'm playing playing against Brazil. I'm thinking, right, great. Manager before the game, listen, they're only human beings. Um, 
yeah, they might have won the World Cup, but I don't want you to pay them any respect. Um, I don't want any of this nonsense jerseys and all this carry on. I'm like, right, okay, fair enough. So we played the game, we played really well. We should have won the game, in fairness. Uh, Robbie Keane had a great chance late on with a header and he headed it over. But um, they were they were exceptional. I mean, really, really, really on a different level. And it's by honest, far the best team you played you played against. Um, in terms of stature, yeah, the, the best team. But in terms of uh, on the night, it was freezing cold. The pitch was shit, and they were there. They were getting paid to be there. They didn't really. They were going really um, Yeah, if they'd have gone in second and third, fourth gear, they'd have pissed all over us. To be honest with you. But just to be on the pitch with them and, and, and even the way they received the ball, you know, and that was the, the technique now of, of receiving. Back then, it was always receiving the instep. They they actually received on the sole of their feet. Every player was. Um, everything was killed. It was dead. I mean, Ronaldinho done one thing with, in the game with me where he, on, on screen in the centre half, and I don't know what the ball going to Ronaldo's feet. So Kenny Cunningham's behind me saying, Cavalry right shoulder, so I'm stepping right shoulder. He'd say, left shoulder. I keep going, so I press the ball, but step into the direction, whether it be left or right shoulder. Anyway, Ronaldinho was in front of me with the ball and, and quite clearly he knows that that's what I'm doing. He changed the angle on the ball and I thought he was going to spray it like, to the right wing. And all he wanted was me to move half a yard and, that, and that's exactly what I've done and I swear to God, he whizzed the ball past me right here right? and literally <laughs> bent it. Right? And it was all he needed. I went into Ronaldo and I was literally like, how has he even done that? Like, and all he done was so, all he done was literally sell me I swear, sell me half a yard, and he done that went with his eyes, and then he whipped it that side, and I literally, and I just literally went whizzing by me out at half. I'm on it. I'm actually trying to play football against these guys, and to be honest with you, I mean, it's it's embarrassing how good they are, really and truly. But but a funny funny story about that was, I was playing at Cardiff at the time, and um, Cardiff sent over a photographer, so um, he's taking a lot of photographs of the game, taking a lot of photographs of me and all of that. Brilliant. So 90th minute anyway. Um, the Ford official puts the board up for, I think it's three minutes or four minutes. Anyway, Ronaldinho walks by me. So as he walks by me, I just tapped him. I went, Ronaldinho? I went, Jersey? And he goes, uh, he looked at me like I was a piece of shit in the shoe, to be honest. Right? <laughs> <laughs> and he goes, he, he goes, uh, number eight? Okay, okay. So anyway, the ball gets played into the corner and Matt Holland was playing on the right midfield. I was playing centre midfield with Kevin Cleban and Damien Dove was on the left. So next of all, I see Matty, Matty Holland running from the right-hand side of midfield over to the very, very far corner of the pitch. <laughs> I'm thinking, where the fuck's he going, Mike? So he, he gets right over to him. And next of all, the referee blows the whistle. And with that, he taps Ronaldinho on the shorts and goes, Jersey. And Ronaldinho goes, no, 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 no. He's just number eight. <laughs> <laughs> I swear to God, I've never been so happy in my life. I, looked at him, I was like, I was like, do him, mate. I'm getting here. <laughs> That was really bad question. Did you get a shirt? That's that answer. Yeah, <laughs> yeah so I've got the jersey, yeah. And, um, and he was, and there's actually a picture of me and him exchanging jerseys. And you can see by my face, I'm all excited. And you, you're looking at him, he's thinking, who is this fella? He probably, <laughs> should, he probably should have jersey in the bin when he got, when he got into the dressing room, but I wasn't bothered on him. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, you know, when I said about when you when you got your foot, uh, the call up to, um, how did that all play out? Was it a, was it a phone call? Was it, did the gaffer, did the gaffer tell you that? Oh, by the way, you've been called to to Ireland. How did it all play out? Yeah, well, that, that was that was basically what it was. I mean, I've been in loads of squads uh, previous. Around that time, uh, we were qualifying for the the World Cup and different bits pieces, 2002. And I made my debut in ninety, I think it was ninety eight. And up 
to that point, I'd been called into the squad as a replacement for players who pulled out and never, never made me debut at, at, at that period. And then we played Czech Republic away. I come on a sub. Um, and then we had a couple more games and then I played, we played Northern Ireland um, at home, which is since, it, it was a cap then, but they've actually taken the cap away and they've called it an old peace game. But um played in that game and then we played Sweden, which was me, Sweden was my second cap actually. So, yeah, come on as a uh, sub halftime for, against Sweden, uh, made the first goal and then scored the second goal. So, I remember it was just a surreal moment. It was, um, I think Steve Staunton played the ball into uh, Noel Quinn. Noel Quinn lays the ball off to me. And I, 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 I smack it from 20, 25 yards and it goes right in the top corner. And as I'm, as I'm celebrating, I run and I jump into uh, Tony Casgrino's arms. Right? And I just remember at the time thinking, is this actually happening? Because I was looking at all these players 10 years ago, yeah. playing for Ireland and qualifying and going to Euro 88 and Italian 90 and America, USA 94. And now all of a sudden I'm actually celebrating on the pitch with them. And it was, yeah, it was all, it was just, it was, it was bonkers. It was bonkers to, to now be part of it and to feel <laughs> part of it. So yeah, and then I, that, was, that, was, that was the start of it really. And then I had a period where I didn't, I wasn't involved in the international setup, but then Brian Kerr became manager again. And I got back in 2004 and that was when I had the remainder of me, uh, me, me, me caps. But obviously that was the period where, where we played Brazil. And, and um, yeah, it was great, great times. I mean, uh, Liam, Liam asked me earlier, he said, oh, has he, did he play with Roy Keane at uh, Republic of Ireland? So I, I've had a look and it literally, whenever Roy Keane were playing, you weren't playing. And whenever you, whenever you played, he didn't play. Like, he were literally, did, did you play with him much in uh, Ireland? Uh, I played him a few times, yeah. Uh, Roy was, without doubt, the best player I've ever played with. He was unbelievably. Um, I actually used to, a funny story actually, what happened was we played Cyprus in the qualifiers Um woke up qualifiers 2006 it was and we played in Dublin we won 3-0 I played really really well um, and we were then playing uh, Switzerland on the Wednesday so there was rumour after the game that Roy was going to come back into the squad obviously after the 2002 World Cup with the fallout that he had he um, he severed his toys and that was the end of it he, he, he wouldn't play for him again but Brian Carroll convinced him to, to come back and play so he now comes into the squad and he's whereas before Roy used to room on his own and he couldn't go into his room and he was he, he was just yeah he was he, he could be a bit strange Roy at times when if he if he wasn't in the mood like he was brilliant like training was you know if you're sitting at the table with him having in company he was great company if he was in the mood to speak but like you'd have the likes of let's say Phil Bab and Jason McAteer would walk into the room and Roy would just go quiet because he couldn't stand them because they played for Liverpool, and <laughs> it was it was it was just weirdly. Um, but then he, he, Brian Kerr pulls me and says, "Look, I'm after pulling Roy and telling Roy that he has to room with somebody this time." So he said he wants to room with you. So I said, "Right, fine, fair enough." So because I, I got on quite well with Roy, I knew Roy from maybe Dave against Forest. Anyway, uh, Roy had played, and I knew Roy from from a younger age in Ireland because we, we there was this thing called uh, Foss course which is basically it's like a YTS course in Ireland and he was on it there was one player from every club had to come up to Dublin and train we got selected to come up to Dublin and train and to basically be full time footballers and get paid for it they weren't actually a team they were just a group of players that were getting coached by elite level coach in Ireland and we used to when, when we were under 15s under 16s uh, Ireland we used to go and uh, play 11 11 games against them so I knew Roy a little bit Roy was always he was always fighting 
um, with all the lads in the club. And every Friday there'd be a row and he'd, he'd batter somebody or somebody would batter him. Or, it was all, it was all, but I, I got on, I, for every reason, I got on quite well with him. Anyway, we uh, we roomed together. And um, all the lads were like, oh, <laughs> you'll be making this tea, you'll be pub, you'll be flipping this pillow. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, but he was, good. <laughs> he was good as gold. But I'll tell you a funny story actually about that. He's, um, we played Switzerland away on the Wednesday, so I was expecting to play, but we didn't. I didn't because Roy came in and I took my place. So anyway, we're in the um, we're room. We've, we've gone for we've gone for a walk in the morning, Wednesday morning. We've had lunch, uh, and we've gone to bed in the afternoon. And the uh, I fell asleep. Right, and when I woke up, Roy was sitting up in the bed. So I was like, "Yeah, all right." And he was, he, he was proper pissed off. I didn't know what was wrong with him. I was thinking, fucking, is this him just getting his game head on for, for the, the game tonight? He doesn't speak to anybody and he, wherever, right? So I just, like, fine, left him alone. Went down, had pre-match, get on the bus, um, get to the game, and we're warming up. And uh, I says to him, I said, yeah, all right, like, he says, he says, no, I'm fucking pissed off. I says, what are you pissed off for? I said, no, this is what he said. This is actually how I said it to him. I said, well, do you know what I do? I said, whenever I, I get pissed off, I said, I just get angry. I said, and that's what gets me through the game. And he goes, angry? He said, I was fucking angry today when you were snoring your brains out and I couldn't fucking sleep. <laughs> <laughs> and I was literally like, oh, oh, I see, right? That, that's why I don't know. It's not all right. I'm just going to go and warm up somewhere else. <laughs> <laughs> but to be honest with you, he was, uh, he, he was excellent at the game. As you I was going to say, did he have a good game? <laughs> yeah, no, he, he, was, he was brilliant. Yeah, he, was, he was some player. Like, he was incredible in fairness. Yeah. But yeah, uh, uh, and tribulations, but oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, obviously, we can we can talk about you know Cardiff and, and Wigan. We just want to fast forward a little bit. Um, obviously, when you when you signed for Sunderland and obviously signed for uh, signed for Roy Keane, um, what what was your time like at, at Sunderland? Because wh- whereabouts were they in the were they in the well champ? Well, what was the championship? Were they at that time? We were we were uh, we were actually bottom of the bottom of the championship, completely bottom. They they lost the four six games. So I uh, I was I was with Wigan. We had obviously been promoted. Uh, had a great season in the Premier League. Or, yeah, this Premier League, we get the League Cup final. Um, so everything was going well. Come to the end of the season, um, and basically manager says, "Look away. We, you've done really well. We'll come back pre-season. We'll, we'll add to the group, and we'll go again." Type of thing. Come back pre-season. I, I was getting a feeling that he wanted to sign a midfield player, and he did. He signed a lad called Denny Lanza. And it's, we started the season, we didn't start very well. And I, I hadn't played, which I, I felt I deserved because I played really well the season previous. But what actually happened, we played a game against Barnsley um, in pre-season. And I played in midfield with a lad called Lee McCulloch, who was actually a left winger. But he wanted he wanted to convert into a centre midfield player, uh, Paul Gildred. Jig didn't, his nickname was Jig. Jig didn't have a clue where he was really playing. And I was trying to, try to balance off where he was playing, but where I was playing to try and help him. Anyway, the ball broke in the middle of the pitch. I ended up uh, going in for 50-50 with this lad, but I was too late getting there. And as I got there, the lad smashes me, takes takes everything really. And I ended up tearing my medial ligament and my cartilage. Didn't tell anybody. And because I, I knew what, I knew what potential I'd miss the season, I'd probably need an operation. So I just left it and carried on as if I was fine. Had a load of Voiby Brew from play and whatever else. Anyway, ended up playing Germany away for Ireland. And um that we were supposed to play on the, the Saturday night and on the Thursday, I get a phone call at quarter past six in the morning, it's Paul Jewell. And he says, look, he said, um, just give me a heads up. Uh, it's not a call I want to be making, but someone has made an offer for you. Um, I've accepted the bid because I know, you know, your, your relationship with Roy Keane, I think you're going to get a, a bigger and better contract. You, 
you know, you'll get a longer term contract than what we can currently give you at the minute. Um, and there's no guarantees that you're going to play as many games as you did last season. So to be honest, once I heard that, I knew my time was nearly, was probably going to be up at, at Wigan. And the chance to go and play with Roy and see what Roy was like and see how he would be as a manager, plus the fact that the Drummerville, the Drummerville group, it was an Irish consortium taking over Sunderland, I knew there was going to be money spent. So I, I thought I couldn't miss the opportunity. Had the medical, everything fine, the medical, but the, I had a problem with me uh, with my knee. And because I told them that had happened the previous season, um, they said, right, fine, we'll sign me. But within, within, I don't know, within six weeks, my knee went, totally, totally, completely tore the cartilage, tore the cartilage off the bone. Um, and that was that was the start of the end of my career, really, at, at Sunderland. Roy lost trust in me. Um, and then... What, what trust yeah, in you in terms of just because of your injuries? Yeah, but, we, we, well, we, we end up having a big fall. Now, what happened was, um, it was Christmas Day, I'd never not trained on Christmas Day. And for some reason, Roy, like we we, we never had days off at summer. I mean, never. We were in like, six weeks running every single day. And um, and we trained really. Why was that? Was Roy King, you just loved getting the boys in? No, we do, like he do. Um, he just, we do recoveries. We do like gym walk. Um, so what, training. Saturday, you'd be in on the Sunday recovering? Yeah. And the lads who didn't play would run and... Um, uh, like the sessions were, were proper and obviously it was all Harry Mondo's yeah distance quality training um, high, high intensity sprint distance everything like that there was no there was no there was no hiding <laughs> yeah basically and, and it, what Roy loved Roy loved 11 v 11 so they were relentless it got to the stage where the games were very competitive it felt like we were playing in three games four games a week because we were playing a two games Saturday Tuesday we were playing 11 v 11 on Thursday and anyway um, so Christmas Day gives us off I go for a run on Christmas Day because I know I'm playing the next day against Leeds and we're on a good run. We've, we've now, we won, we lost, the club lost the four, six games and we won, I think it was the first five with the new signings, starting to climb the table, believe starting to come into the group and uh, we're starting to, to look like we're going to challenge. I got for a run anyway, literally I'm running around the stakes to talk, I'm going to have my dinner, I won't be able to, I won't enjoy my dinner if I, if I know I have another sweat on if you like. And again, if I can come down the step, get the shoe and pain in my knee and I end up having to have a, a double microfracture. Which which essentially essentially that that, that ends my career because I couldn't really push out my left side again to the level that I was able to, and it was probably another I don't know what it was it was probably another eight months maybe before I came back and that was obviously when I went to, to Chef Wes. What age so, were you then? Okay. I was uh, 34, 20, yeah, 24 I think it was. So I, I had I was fortunate enough that me the, 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 I turned a three year contract that middle uh, summer which was going to take me up to nearly thirty six. But the way it sort of ended and, and Roy's then lack of trust, I believe, for me. Um, and the, the whole idea at the time was going to Shadow West because he was, he'd said in the press that he wanted me to play, he wanted me back at Sunderland to play in the first team. But that was never ever, that was never ever going to be the case. And um, yeah, we, we he, used to, he used to call me into the office and, and we'd, we'd end up having mayhem in him in the office that we more. And, um, and then he'd just tell me to get out. He'd just throw me out of the office. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, I just found it, I just found it really frustrating because I, I I couldn't I wanted to repay the fate that he'd shown me by signing me. Um, the first I got player of the month in the championship. The fourth month I was there. I got player of the month for the club. Um, I was playing really well. The fans were right behind me. And then that that happens after six weeks. I get back after three months and then I go and do that on Christmas Day. And it's like I was out for the rest of the season. Missed the promotion push. We get to the Premier League. He's now signing new players, and I'm like, right, I need, I need to go and play football. And to be honest, Sheffield Wednesday was always a club that 
from afar I always really admired um, I played a few times for Stoke against Chef Wade scored a goal in the, the League Cup we got beaten 3-1 but um, yeah it was just a great stadium great fan base great great facilities um, great pitch everything about it just it just made sense because it, it was a massive club yeah, I mean, but, um, it, 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 it were Brian Laws that, that brought you in, and obviously we've had him on the on the show as well. And he uh, he tells the story how you know he rings you know Roy Keane and and says he's been looking at this player, um, but you know he, he says in terms of wages, uh, he said we can only pay fifteen hundred quid. <laughs> he says it, he says it really quick, and Roy, apparently Roy Keane's like, what what do you mean only fifteen hundred quid? Like that's that's not enough, you know. Thinking that Sheffield Wednesday is a football club of, you know, they're such a big club, they surely you can pay pay more than that. But obviously, you know, that that player was was obviously yourself, and uh, and you, yeah, you came on that um, came for an, an initial month, didn't you? Um, initially, um, played what seven, I think it was seven games. We, we had a torrid run of games. I think we'd lost the, the first the first six games when you when you signed, and and kind of when you signed. It kind of changed the fortunes. We had a we went on a bit of a decent run, didn't we? Yeah, we did. Yeah, myself and uh, Michael Johnson signed, and I think if I'm right, I think I stayed for did I stay for three months at the start, and then I came back again in January and I played till the end of the season. Uh, I can't remember how long the, the, the period was, but actually it might have been a month. And then it really I think it was back. like an like an emergency loan kind of thing at the at the start, weren't it? Yeah, when, when you came. But, but I remember coming into the club, and I mean, obviously, Glenn, myself, and Glenn Whelan were playing midfield. And there's some there's some good players in the group. Um, you know, there's talent in the group. There was a bit of animosity amongst a few players, I think, you know, who were either were or weren't playing, felt that the manager wasn't picking them or giving them a fair chance. But that happens to every club. And I remember I remember the second time when I when I came when I came back after January. And it was funny actually, because as a captain, when I when I was a Cardiff or if I had if I had a, an opinion, I'd always voice my opinion and I'd always speak up in front of the group. And I remember the second time around the Shepherd Wednesday when it would have been around it probably would have been mid mid uh, the start. Middle middle of February, end of February, maybe start of, of March. And I went to see the gaffer one morning and I said, Look, I'm gonna pull a team meeting. And Brian says, What, what are you doing that for? I said, Look, I don't really want any of the staff in. I think a few of the players need to need a few home truths about where we're at and where where we're potentially going to get to. And I don't know if some of them realised because a few of them were young, uh, what was going to happen with their careers in terms of finances if we got relegated and what the, what how that would impact. So basically, I wanted the lads to get their finger out and and, and you know some of them were, were fucking about and training and not applying themselves to the, the, the level I felt that they needed to. So I said to Brian and Brian Brian's response was a bit odd. He said to me. Um, I don't really want you to do that. And I said, why? He said, well, that's my job. I said, yeah, but I'm, I'm, I'm speaking on behalf of the players. I'm not speaking as a criticism of the of the staff, the management, nothing like that. He said, okay, well, if you, if you think it'll do good, fine. Said, but I don't want to get into the press. And I remember the time thinking, well, why, first of all, why would it get to the press? Yeah. And, and, I, and in all honesty, I now know why and what he, what he meant. Because having now been a manager myself, I understand that there's so many outside influences. If people... Can t- people can influence that or, or, or take that however they see it um, he's lost the dressing room the players now control what's going on that was never the case but that, that's how it might have been perceived in, in the public domain if it hadn't got out but I remember the time thinking Brian you do know the character of me you know how I am and, and, and I would never undermine you I'd never ever go into any dressing room to undermine the manager it was only ever 
you know, us trying to pull together. And in fairness, Steve Watson was uh, was there at the time. And Motto was a great lad, great pro. And um, myself and Motto had this meeting. And I ended up saying, I need to say, I said, look, lads, you, you're going to lose you're going to lose 50% of your wages if we get relegated. You know, you're going to have to start thinking about different thing, mortgages. And I think it was a little bit of a penny drop for a few of the boys to go, Jesus Christ, yeah, this is serious. Like, and in fairness, after that, the the, the sessions improved. Um, and listen, I'm not saying it was down to me. I'm not saying that at all. But the point, the point I'm making is I think there was enough good players in the group that we had enough talent to be able to get out. And maybe one or two need a little, little reminder, if you like. But... Um, yeah, it ends up we, we end up going on the run. We, we stay clear of relegation. And I think I think we actually mathematically stayed up in the last day of the season, but I think we stayed up by five or six or seven points. I can't remember what it was. This podcast is proud to be part of the Talk Sport Fan Network. Talk Sport. Powered by fans.